Hey guys, welcome into the latest edition of Prem Talk, your go-to spot for anything Premier League. I'm Zeki Zai, joined today by Millen and Nate. Sam has unfortunately got a lot of schoolwork to do today, so he's not going to be here. But it's been a little bit of time since we last talked to you all. Uh, we apologize, finals crept up, but we're back, back in action. I'm actually rocking my Ronaldo Christmas jumper from Mark Goldberg United stand, getting into the festive spirit a little bit before Christmas. Um, a lot has happened in the Premier League. So many things, actually, since we last spoke. But first, first, we're going to start off the show. We're going to have a laugh at Nate real quick. And I'm going to pull up. I'm going to pull up the screenshot of the text message before the match at, at um, London Stadium this weekend. And I'll just read it to you. So Nate goes, he was so confident going into this West Ham game this weekend. He said, I was like, Nate, you know what? You might, you might, you might have a tough time. You know, results have been tough recently he goes just because we're disorganized Saul started doesn't mean we're bad i promise you we're going to win this by at least two we don't win we don't lose the london derby and what do they do they lose at home so let's all have a laugh at nate real quick thank you nate for your contribution uh, to uh -huh. the show haha -ha. anyway on a more serious note nate kind of going off that you your blues are kind of in a rough patch because you draw to united at home a shambolic United who hadn't won, who took four points from 24. And then you sneak by Watford and I'm sneak by 2-1. And then you obviously lose it uh, away to West Ham, conceding more goals than you've conceded uh, since Tuchel took management. So what's going on? Um, well, first thing about United, I will say during that game, their press was quite good. I think they changed a little bit tactically, so I'll, I'll actually give them some credit there. They played a good game. Um, but in terms of this game against West Ham, of course, I don't believe we conceded a goal from open play until this game. Um, and honestly, for me, I think it's just a lack of chemistry. Of course, we've seen that squad rotation I think ever since the United game, of course, there's been something missing um, in the squad rotation, putting Saul in for uh, the, the Watford game, I believe it was, where he had an absolutely awful performance. I think Marcus Alonso was also weak on the left side, too. We're very obviously missing Chilwell. Um, so I think just it's a little bit of a lack of chemistry, um, as well as we don't have a solidified front three in our system so i just think um the squad rotation while it is a good thing we do have very good and quality players to rotate in our squad but i think the chemistry is just a little bit off nate you conceded an open play against united as well yeah i was just gonna say that sancho's like, goal was open play yeah. or no i'm i'm talking about uh away we hadn't conceded away an away goal from open play i don't concede much so but uh, yeah, no, it was um, it was a real tough one for you. Like I, I just think it's careless mistakes that we we haven't seen in a while. Um, obviously I, I was there. Um, actually, uh, sat front row, got a really good seat. Uh, last last second, the season ticket holder decided he didn't want to go. His mistake. Um, but I I was seeing these uh people play. Also, by the way, Declan Rice is absolutely class. He is, he's a top five player in the Premier League without a That's doubt. Yeah, seeing him in person was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, he can just cover so much ground for a big lad as well. Um, but I know you wanted to touch on Jorginho because we've seen him. Obviously, he finished third in the Ballon d'Or votings, which we know means absolutely nothing because of the um, 
award voting itself. But we've seen him make mistake after mistake now. Obviously, his mistake led to the Sancho goal at the bridge, and then his back pass put Mendy under pressure, which led to the penalty. So, Nate, are, are, the, are the Chelsea fans kind of getting upset with Jorginho now? Well, I know that I did want to ask you guys specifically whether you thought uh, – I know you were there, Zeki. I don't know if you've watched watched it back, Mill, but just to ask you guys if you thought um, that that conceded penalty was more of Jorginho's fault or more of Mendy's fault because for me personally, of course, Jorginho has already made that mistake against United. Um, so I think that he unfairly takes a little bit more of the brunt because he's already made that mistake, you know, when you make that mistake twice, then you're going to receive some backlash. But I think that Mendy is also partly in fault because when he gets the ball in that situation and you're under pressure like that, you can just have a knock and kick it out. And he just, he decides to keep hold of possession and clatter into the defender. Um, So I think that they both take a little bit of fault well, I was wondering exactly who you guys would blame more in this situation. Mendy. I think I think like the ball comes to Mendy and he's like, it's it's at his feet. And yeah, the press is high, but he doesn't have to dribble past anyone. Like you're one nil up. Clear the ball. That's Even if it goes up a throne or or like okay, worse comes to worse, a corner. Protect like the ball. You're gonna lose possession if if you can't play ball at the feet. And um, he clearly couldn't deal with the press. So the first thing he should have gone for a throw in. If he can't go for a throw in, which he could have, because there was no one blocking it, um, he could have gone for the corner. Try and find a pass. That seemed really hard to be fair with the press. Or or do what he did and try and go past not only one, but another fast approaching player um, coming towards him. But yeah, I mean, the penalty is like at the bottom of that list of like things to do. Um, so like, I don't know, like he had, a, he had, he had a, a, a few, a few options to him. I think he just panicked. Um, I don't know how old he is, but he seems quite young. He is young, isn't he? Yeah. He's, 20, he's young for a keeper because yeah. obviously keepers will go well into their 30s. So, yeah, I think, you know, I maybe like it's um, the pressure got to me. He doesn't really know how to deal with it properly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you're one. I think he just gets too cute. He, he tries to get too cute. And I feel like I feel like he's done this on multiple occasions because obviously yeah. social media has has their go at players when they make a mistake. They tend to make compilations of all their mistakes. Anytime a, a big star makes a mistake. So I was watching this video and I, I mean, obviously it's easy to say when you're just looking at one player's mistakes, all of their, uh, throughout the years, but, um, recent, in recent times, I feel like Mendy's had some close calls with, uh, having the ball at his feet in the back. Cause he's not a notorious, uh, play out from the back keeper, like an Ederson is. Um, so I think he just got too cute. I think it's hundred percent his fault because as a keeper, keepers get bad back passes all the time. Happens every weekend. Like obviously Jorginho needs to wake up a bit, but you need to deal with that as a keeper. That's part of the job, and and he failed to do that. So, yeah, I will say recently, um, when Manny gets a ball at his feet, I do get a little bit anxious because, of course, he is a great shot stopper. But as you said, that distribution part sometimes can be a little bit of a mishap. Um, 
but I wanted to move on from that and I wanted to talk about um, in relation to that chemistry issue, what exactly you guys would think the best starting front three for Chelsea would be. Because obviously there, nobody's exactly solidified in that role right now. But I guess I'll go first. I would say I think Lukaku has to start after, you know, his price tag. Um, but of course, he's coming back into fitness. And then I would say Havertz as well has to start. I think we could see Werner getting a transfer in the January window. And the third one would have to be between Pulisic and Mason Mount for me, because Pulisic just has loads of potential and talent. But at the same time, so does Mason Mount. And I could also see him being a potential Chelsea captain in the future. So what do you guys think? I would personally... So yeah, you're right with Lukaku. I'm, I'm sorry, not you're right, but I agree with you about Lukaku. Um, I think you can't not have a player like Lukaku in your team. Like, I don't think people understand like the number of goals he's he brings with him, and like he's been around for ages. He's experienced, and I think he's what 28. Yeah, um, he's a proven striker so as well. He's a well-proven striker in in you know different leagues. Um, so I think he's he's the man, and also he's a good option for crosses. Werner wouldn't give me much confidence. I've seen a few like reports saying, you know, Werner might come to United just because of connection with Ralph Magnick. I hope that's like he's not going to. Um, I can yeah, I can I tell you he's not. not he's not going to do that. Also, we just don't need him. Um, yeah, I feel like at this point he's almost. You don't. Well, let me put it this way: Tuchel does not employ Werner to score goals. He employs him purely for tactical reasons. And that's what I will say. I think at this point, Werner is a tactical player. You put him out based on tactical reasons. What, to, to like draw players away from Lukaku and other things? Yeah, because that's, that's really mostly what he does and what he's so effective with. That's exactly what even happened in the Champions League final when Kai Havertz scored. It's because Werner takes that player out by making a diagonal run and those defenders follow him. So, I mean, I think, I think regardless of that, Talking about like a pure front three, I just don't think you need that kind of player with Chelsea squad. Um, I guess you could say Ronaldo has that effect, but then Ronaldo's Ronaldo, he has three players on him at all times, anyways. Yeah, um, so I think Ranić playing like Rashford next to Ronaldo, he knows Ronaldo's gonna get swarmed. Rashford's a good option to have, and I think it's the same with Chelsea and Lukaku. Um, right, I don't know if you mentioned him, um, but Ziyech. I think he's quality. Um, a, a bit weird off form, um, but he's he's very attacking, and I think he's very goal driven. Um, as in, not he doesn't like score loads of goals, but I'm saying like he's very like forward playing. Um, is what I'm trying to say. He's forward playing, very creative with the ball, can you know hit it with both feet quite well. Um, a good player to have on the wing as well. Um, I get what you mean about the the Mount argument. I personally prefer Mount um, in an attacking midfield role. I think he's played on the left for England before. And he's played in an attacking midfield role. I just prefer him in that. Maybe it's a different system. I haven't watched, you know, where he plays at Chelsea too much, but he's been effective at send in the um 
attacking midfield for Chelsea, especially last season, um, I would not move him into left wing when you have Pulisic in um in in left wing position. Nate, if you had to give a score prediction for us this weekend, what would it be? Well, I'll put it this way. I think Lukaku will be back fully fit and starting, and I think he'll bag one as a statement goal. So I'd like to say I'd like to say one nothing, but I also think we've been poor defensively and Marcus Alonso has really been taken advantage of. So I can see us conceding. I think we'll win two to one. Barely. All right. All right. There's your Chelsea update from our Nate Maxwell. Um, moving on. And then my favorite part of the show is right now. Um, it's been a phenomenal week for the Red Devils. Best week I've had in, I don't know about years. Maybe years. When you look at, when you look at it all. Millen and I were at the Arsenal United match midweek at Old Trafford. I can now say I've officially been there. For history, I've been there for Ronaldo's 800th goal at 801, but it was the thing that we talked about a few weeks ago that I really wanted to be there for, and I was there. But there's this new era of Manchester United now. Obviously, no more Ole, no more Carrick, no more McKenna. I think Phelan's going to be gone uh, this week at some point. But we finally appointed Ralph Ranić as our interim with the two-year consultancy role afterwards. And news today, he's also bringing in with him an assistant coach in Chris Armas, who has coached uh, with the Red Bull organization um, and a sports psychologist from Leipzig as well. So very excited about that. Mill, your initial thoughts on this appointment and where it can take us. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we've said multiple times on this podcast, the one thing that United lack is sort of a structure and um like a previsible playing style um i think ranik sort of brings that with his his defined pressing um focus and his you know stress on uh control over games um he talks quite a lot about controlling games and yeah i mean he has a point we went to liverpool and had zero control lost five mil went to city had more shots on our own goal didn't seem very controlling in that one Chelsea, yeah, um, De Gea kept us in the game for a large majority of that. But again, no control. We kind of relied on a Jorginho blunder. Um, this this would be really boring if I listed all of our games and said no control. The idea is that now, <laughs> now we should develop some level of control. And I don't know, it's, it's a really exciting time to be a Red. I think the main thing here is... We've got a new coach who is regarded as a football genius by, you know, coaches like Klopp, um, arguably our biggest rival in terms of managers. Um, you know, he's highly respected. He's very successful. Um, and he's experienced. He's He's been in contact with Sir Alex. Um, I've watched that Palace game and I think that was the, one, some of the best football I've seen from United, not only um, this season, but in years. I think that first half in particular, that forward pressing, that um, that forward play, that desire to get forward and keep the ball in their half, keep them on the back foot, something that I wish we saw against teams like Liverpool and City. Um, hopefully that comes with time. 
Um, but yeah, he's got a good run of games ahead of him. An experienced manager with a good set, with a good team and his own coaching staff. Um, let's let's get the points back. Let's let's move up the table. I'm optimistic. I'm I'm an optimistic person, as you may have seen with previous managers. But um, yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good. I'm not going to get too over the moon. So just right now, I'm saying it. I'm not saying we're in challenge for any titles, any Champions Leagues, or no. nothing. I think right now, I'm just really excited because for the first time since Sir Alex, we actually have some sort of structure, some sort of plan for the future. And yes, we have a good squad, arguably a great squad, minus a midfielder. But um, that Palace match you mentioned in the first half was the best. I- I think it was the best half of football, or at least first 30 minutes of football that we have played since Sir Alex. I mean, one stat for you is we won possession in the opposition half more times than we have in any match since the Sir Alex era. We won it 12 times. And I was watching the match and I was like, Alex, I was there and I was just, the crowd was so into it. Um, And we hadn't scored in the first half, but just seeing Palace not be able to get out of their half was something I hadn't seen in, in years. And like we, we, we should have had at least two or three goals in the first half. But again, how it'll come with time. Uh, I was just really, really ex- happy to see that um, that that performance. Nate, I don't know if you want to add anything. Um, well, I mean, that was kind of exactly what I was thinking. You said exactly what was on my mind. That press in the first half was so good. And I was I was also going to touch on how many times you guys have won the ball in the final third. It was a lot of times. And I think... Um, those players who were very impactful in that uh, were Fred and McTominay. Um, as much as sometimes people like to criticize them, I, I think them especially in that press were very important. I think Fred had a fantastic game. Obviously, he scored the winner. Um, and I think you could see a lot of different people, you know, maybe having a resurgence or uh, kind of starting over other more trustworthy players in the past, as uh, I was talking about before the show. um, I also said that Dallow had a very good performance. I thought he was great going forward and maybe we could see him starting over Juan Basaka, even though, you know, Juan Basaka is a great one-on-one defender. um, I just think in today's style of football, it calls for more attacking minded fullbacks. So I, I think he had a great game had a very good effect on it um and possibly we could see him starting so yeah i think it's so interesting how he's dropped both fullbacks i get like they're both off form but that's what managers should do and i know it wasn't him who initially did it it was carrick um got the one and only um but you know it shows that like bad form merits not playing the next game and giving a chance to people who've trained hard. Not only recent weeks, Tellers and Dallow have not started for a while and they've been training as if they're going to play the next game. You know, they've always been ready. They have that mindset and they're very attacking. It makes me think, okay, Luke Shaw is very attacking as well, but not as like technically gifted as Tellers, I don't think. Yeah. Um, but it makes me think with Wambasaka, could we see sort of like an Azpilicueta situation, like him moving in um, to sort of a central defensive role? If he gets a bit more physical, I would highly back that because he's fast, 
He's a great defender. It's just maybe those aerial threats where I worry a bit and a bit of the physicality. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. As he matures and develops physically, I don't see... I, I think that's a great option. Or maybe if he's um, if he ups his ball-playing ability, he could play in sort of a midfield, a defensive midfielder or a right right mid thing. You can disagree with me, Zeki. I'm saying if he if he improves his his um, ball playing attributes, do you disagree? What's wrong with that? Okay, all right, all right. First of all, first okay, first of all, you said you want to play Juan Bissaka at centre back. First of all, like I, one doesn't work for so many reasons. That's just later. Two CDM Juan Bissaka at CDM on FIFA that would work. A dream. Mate, this isn't FIFA. This is the Premier ah, League. This is real life. I don't serious. care what happens on FIFA. Wambasaka has absolutely no ball playing ability whatsoever. And that makes your right midpoint even worse than the CDM. Wambasaka's only in the team because he can yeah, defend. Fair, he the right mid, I agree with you. Dallow would be the right mid, if anything. You know what though? I will I will back what he's saying about a possible center back. Yeah. Because the only well, he's great defensively, and you can't disagree with that. The only thing about him is how small he is. If he bulks up a little bit and gets a little bit more physical, I think he would be a great center defender. Cesar, he's like he's five foot eight. As Piliqueta, as Piliqueta was, it, and so can Juan Basaka. That's all. As Piliqueta that's was so like not that guy to play centre back when you know John Terry and the Ivanovic was right back at one point. Can you imagine like what Ivanovic would have done in the middle? Okay, Juan Bissaka is not Ivanovic, but he's bloody good at defending. Okay, don't know if I can say that, but he's he's really good at defending, and um, and I completely trust him with my life in a one-on-one situation. He's fast as hell, so when that ball is over the top, he could run back. And okay, if he's competing in the air, that's his weakness. That physicality is his weakness. But I'm saying as he develops, he's young. As he develops, he'll get more physical. We've seen that with Aspilicueta. Like we've seen the issue is the issue is I I don't see him. Okay, let's just say how and it's a big if. Like hypothetically, he did all that, right? He did all of that, which is a lot of work. But let's say he did all that. There's way too many options right now at the centre back spot. Yeah, we've just seen Varane, a four-time Champions League winner, who has been injured the entire season, who we paid seventy-five million for. He's going to start. And now Ranić has to decide whether he's confident enough to drop the captain, which I think he should, in Harry Maguire, even though we spent eighty million for him, and put Lindelof in in front of him because Lindelof thrives yes. with the player like Varane. And in the way that Ranić wants to play, we're going to be in the opposition's half a lot, which leaves the two in the the fullbacks need to provide with because he plays the four two two two. And so when Dallow and Tellez or Shaw are up there, the two center halves stay on the line and they, they kind of, you know, go one and one with whatever striker there is. You need a ball winning center back and you need a recovering center back. Usually Maguire is the ball winning and Varane's the recovering because that's what Varane likes to play. But in recent times, when Lindelof has played in the last three matches, he's done really, really well at that because Lindelof's strength is kind of just going for it. You know, it's not defending on the break or defending one-on-ones he's not good at that but in the way Randy wants to set up Lindelof it plays to Lindelof's advantage so I cannot see a, a scenario where Wambasaka is thrown into the mix of Varane Maguire yeah. not to mention Eric Bailly as well 
Definitely not soon is what I'm saying. Like, we do need a right-back option for Dallow, of course. Um, Wambasak is not going to turn into a, a centre-back overnight. I'm saying, like, if Ranić is a long-term manager, because you've mentioned, you know, the two-year consultancy, and if he is successful um, and Dallow thrives under him, would we see, like, him buy potentially a younger right-back who, who suits him and then use Wambasaka? Or offload him, um, which I don't think he will. I think he's too good to offload. Um, he's off form. I think I think Wambasaka's class. I think he's just off form. Um, yeah, I mean, back to the Ranić thing. I love, I love how um, he's rotated for this young boys thing. Okay, team news not out, but Matic captaining shows Ronaldo's not going to be playing. Maguire's not going to be playing. Bruno. De Gea. No, but it wow. means it means all our senior players aren't playing. Yeah, exactly. So for Matic to be the captain, he must be like the most senior, which means I'm thinking he played Elanga. Maybe Elanga gets a chance. And maybe that's when Wan-Bissaka gets his game time. Henderson, maybe. You know, we're going to see, be seeing like, um, hopefully that. Hopefully no, no, Van- he, he, he said today, he's confirmed two players, Van Der Beek and Henderson are starting tomorrow. Oh, beautiful. Uh, 100%. And I think usually this match on Wednesday would be kind of a bad match to watch under Ole because we've already qualified. We already secured first place in our group. So this we could lose 20 to nil. It wouldn't matter. Um, but now that Ranić's in, it gives, because obviously there's a clean slate for every player, new manager, and it gives the players a chance who are wanting to prove themselves, like Jesse Lingard, Martial. I think this match will suit Rashford as well just because he's off form. Yeah, uh, Rashford needs to Back in, but I think we're gonna see Shaw and Wambasaka start um midweek just because they haven't played under Ranyak. Um I'm a little upset that Ronaldo's ninety percent probably not gonna play, uh, just because I know he wants to break his own record. Um and it's a good fixture for him to score some goals, but he needs a rest. It's the only chance he can rest before before the New Year's break. So but yeah, no, it's gonna be an exciting match to watch. You've mentioned his name and I wanted to ask you guys um, how exactly you think Donnie will get on under Ragnick because he didn't start the first game or really play many minutes at all. I thought it, maybe he would come in a little bit sooner. Um, so I wanted to get your guys' thoughts and opinions on where exactly you think he might be going under Ragnick. Ragnick said he had what, one, one tra- training session with not even a full squad. I think it's silly to, to change things when... You know, they've just done really well. He just took the same team Carrick left with. He just yeah, took exactly. that and used it. I think he he still doesn't he still didn't have a grip on the on, you know, the players' styles. He said he's come to watch, you know, United a few games. So he probably does know like the the gist of each player. But um you know, don't don't fix what's what what's been working for the past, you know, three weeks. Yeah, exactly. And that and that that training session was 45 minutes long. Yeah. The first team wasn't even there. So in that for the Palace match, Maya completely understood the team selection. I kind of knew what it was going to be as well. Um he had to keep it the same because they they performed. Yeah. So and I think I think Norwich at the weekend is going to be this almost the same lineup as I well think... just 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 because I think like he could so he could have been like impressed in training by some people's work ethics and quality, but at the end of the day, like if um, 
if he's picking a side to go with, no, no one's deserved to be dropped. And I think what's really interesting with him is that it seems like now United are starting to drop players on bad form, which I think, okay, you can, you can argue Fred. Fred had an awful first half, saved at second half, barely. Arsenal. Saved at second half against them, Arsenal. Okay, Arsenal. Arsenal, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, not Palace. Palace was quality. Palace was godly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, dropping, dropping players out of form is key. Ranić, I think, if, if it's because he didn't know the players, he just stuck with the same team, fair enough, understandable. But if it's because he thinks no one deserved to be dropped, then I think that's really good to encourage good performance and discourage bad performance and keep, keep things fresh by giving new faces a chance when when it's their turn um tomorrow we're going to see we're going to see a, a large like a, a lot of ex, a lot of rotation and not only is it rotation it's rotation to quality players um hopefully if there is a Wambasaka, henderson Shaw, and then a Bayi lindelof for example or maybe a mengi i don't know someone someone young but then we have like a whole team of Van der Beek, Martial, you know, maybe Rashford plays, um, Elanga, who, you know, was decent form, maybe Shola Shaw Tire or Adama. I want to see Ahmad play, I really do. Ahmad Diallo. Um, like, we're going to have a quality team. And that's, that's really reassuring to have to think now that we have two teams. Do you know what I mean? Because for a lot of it, I've barely considered us having one team. So even with the players we have, I know that sounds silly, but the way how we've played, it's played like we barely have a team. Um, now, now we're taking over. Okay, you can have your league content contention this year. Yeah, we're coming. We're coming with Ralph Ranić. See what I, I like most, and this will be the final point on this before we move on. But what I like most is is, is the formation, the four triple two. Because we have so many attacking options, it's the only formation that everyone can fight for a spot in. And I really hope tomorrow Donny plays um, in the first set of twos as opposed to the second set of twos. Um, only because if he plays with a Fred, like it, if let's say Donny transitions to a starting spot, Fred is going to be at, at, at one of the, the, the first two spots. That's where he started with McTominay. If Donny can come in for that McTominay role and play with Fred there, that's where Donny can start in. Because if you move up a up a up a two, um, you get into the like actual attackers. You get into Bruno's. You get into Pogba when he's back to Sancho, who plays that right attacking mid role. Um, and then obviously the, the front two are Ronaldo, Rashford, Ronaldo, Cavani, Ronaldo, Greenwood. But if Cavani plays in an advanced role tomorrow, then I'm not really I don't like that personally because he's not going to start over. He's not going to start over Bruno. He's not going to start we'll over see Greenwood. We'll see Greenwood. Yeah, because Greenwood's not been utilized at all, and he. I don't think. I don't think he he's deserved to be dropped. Even though Ronaldo's come in, it's natural he was dropped. But he. It's not like he played badly. He played really well in the start of the season. I think he was actually our our main talisman, um, like main goal scorer in the beginning. So yeah. it's exciting to see him back. Hopefully Martial learns how to press and actually run. Um, and if he does, like, are we going to get Black Gloves Martial back? 
because that was a killer, cold killer, Martial. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I should stop ranting about United. I I could talk about. That's no, right. You know what's uh, funny though? We actually ran less in this game or in the Palace match than we had in all of our other matches on average, which I think is funny because you'd think it'd be the opposite because we press so much, but it just goes to show you how organized pressing actually conserves your your energy and the amount of ground you actually cover if you press as a unit as opposed to just people running all around the pitch. But, um, but yeah, a lot of stuff to look forward to for United. Um, going to the match tomorrow, so hopefully we get um, good performances there. But Next, we're going to move on to Aston Villa, and normally there would be no place for Aston Villa on this podcast, but um, Steven Gerrard has won three out of the last four matches, and he travels to Anfield, his homecoming at Anfield, uh, first time since he was a player. So, uh, Nate, what do you think? Do you think Villa could get a result, a draw at Liverpool? Um, well, as we've seen so far... Gerard's been a great manager. You saw that at Rangers, and now he's taken this role on very well with those three wins in his first four matches. The team looks very organized. Of course, we've been to one of their games. Um, but I just don't think any team, or you can expect any team to go to Anfield, especially a team like Aston Villa, and grab a point or three. I just think it's too difficult to expect a team like Aston Villa to do something like that. Do I think that they're capable of doing it? Anybody is capable of doing that. But um, Liverpool have always just, or definitely in, in recent times, have been so strong at Anfield. Um, I could see them possibly scrapping for it, but I don't see them winning. Um, possibly a draw, best case scenario, but I don't see a win coming here. Yeah. Seven two. I think. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> I think. I think it. Axel Twanzebi with a hat trick. And then you know maybe Salah gets a goal or something. Speaking nah, of defender scoring though, Ezri Konsa got two um, over the weekend. So. What yeah, I think I think Gerard's like got to the players. Perhaps a lot of those players are inspired. Like grew up watching Gerard. I don't know, Gerard. I think Gerard just gets to these players, but I, uh, I would hate to see Liverpool win, um, as I would every week. And I'm now relying on Gerard um, for the for one of the few times I ever have. Normally, it's with an with an England shirt on. Um, you know, he never really fulfilled any of any of any of my hopes and expectations in an England shirt. Um, completely did the opposite thing in a Liverpool shirt. So hopefully, as as Villa boss, he um he can he can maybe make an eight two. Um, I don't know. I just do not want to see Liverpool win the league. That is the last team, and I swear to God, if we are reviewing any of our podcast episodes at the end of the season, and Liverpool have just lift, lifted that trophy. I will say now the rest of my appearances on this podcast will be completely useless because the one thing I want is Liverpool not to win the Premier League. But that said, Gerard, Gerard will do his job. <laughs> He'll stop it. All right. And then we're on the topic of Villa, actually. I just want to point out the FA, 
needs to like relax with these. I, not, I'm not going to say it's rigged because it's not. But with these draws, these tie draws that we keep getting is actually unbelievable. So the first round that we had to play in, in the League Cup, the Carabao, we draw West Ham, who are fourth in the Premier League, who are a very, very good side when we should be playing a second division side. And in the first round that we have to play in the FA Cup, we got to play Aston Villa in form. A Steven Gerrard Aston Villa when City are getting third league teams, when Liverpool are getting second division, like championship teams. City, I think, I, I don't even know who they're playing. I'm not sure. But I don't think their stadium has a bigger capacity than 10,000. So that's going to be an entertaining match. Um, But we got to play Villa. And obviously I'm excited because like, we get to go for like an exciting match. But I mean, it's getting ridiculous. It really Can is. You imagine singing that Steve Gerrard, Gerrard chant. I was just going to say, yeah, because he was on the telly all weekend at at the yeah. at Blaze and the, the just bands uh, just chanting his name. But when we play, I'm actually really excited to go for that. That's hey, going to be a great let's, time. Let's pray. Sorry, this is so relevant to the podcast. Zeki and I have uh, applied for the ballot for that game. So if we get it, just know we will be singing the Steve Gerard Gerard chant um, for hours and hours that day. I will say, because of that match that we went to with Palace and Villa, those Villa fans are crazy. They are very passionate. Their fan base is their fan base is incredible. It's yeah. like very like diehard Villa. Yeah. Um, no, like I th- I think I think they have one of the best fan bases in England. It was um, very entertaining to be at the game and watch. Villa fans and Palace fans arguing at each other, and obviously that John McGinn belter is a great goal. So super John McGinn, yeah, <laughs> great guy. Um, so hopefully we see Villa get a result this weekend. But uh, to cap off the show, we're going to talk about Arsenal just for a little bit. Um, because you know what the thing with Arsenal, they seem to go in these just like loops like up and down like kind of the sinusoidal curve if you took calculus whenever <laughs> but um so for the longest time like at the beginning everyone was like arteta's out bad uh get rid of him then he obviously got the team together um and went on 10 matches unbeaten i think um and now they've lost their last three in a row granted they did play uh liverpool they played us but we're not we're not in great form um, so they lost three in a row, and now they've let, um, I think, uh, a five-point lead slip already, and we're ahead of them again. So, I mean, is 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 Arteta? Do you think, Mill? Is Arteta the, the the man? Yeah, I mean, you can't say he's not. He's um, I I think he's done things with this Arsenal team that's reinstigated hope amongst the supporters. Like, you chat to Arsenal fans at the beginning of the season, they would say, I, I'm not going to watch that much this season. Or they, they may not have done that. But they're like, I, I'm not going to care that much this season because there's not much hope. Like, there's no hope that they'd really be competitive in the league. There was very little hope for a Champions League spot. Um, if they got Europa League, that would have been seen as a big victory. But it was... It was quite unlikely given the competitiveness of, of the Premier League in recent sort of these two years. But Arteta, I think, has now had the process where he's been he's had that broken squad and he's made it his own. 
and he's implemented his style of play. And he's using youngsters, homegrown talent, which I think is something that United have prided themselves on for years. Um, it's just in its DNA. Arsenal now are starting to look like um, a much more well-managed football club. It's unlucky, okay? They had, they had the first half to do one over on us because um, we were shambolic. Some of Fred's, some of Fred's like losses of possession, they, they should have been in front. And De Gea as well. Oh, my God, he kept us in that game. But um, second half, we, we won purely because we played better than them. Um, I think the Liverpool game is unfortunate. They play badly. Uh, it happens. It happens to the best of us. But um, you know, Arsenal—they're—they're they're doing well. I would not. I look, they're—they're they're what eighth, eighth in this competitive Premier League. The one behind us going seventh. I think seventh, seventh yeah. the one behind us. They're seventh. Like, they've got plenty of games left, and it's starting to look like where they were twentieth. To be seventh now in this league. In this competition, perfect. I mean, I think I think the only way for them is is up, and to be competitive for a Champions League spot. Arsenal fans are probably in love with the fact that they're going to be sitting in their famous fourth spot one day. Um, they're probably just hoping that that one day is this year. So um, yeah, I mean, yeah, nothing, nothing really to lose sleep over if you're an Arsenal fan. Just just understand you're not on the same page as United and. Liverpool and them boys, yeah. You just gotta wait your turn a little bit. As as United had to do. If I'm going to speak on Arsenal as a Chelsea fan, obviously I don't like the club, but I don't think the problem is in their younger players or in their manager. I I and I've I've heard somebody talk about this as well. I just don't think that they have senior players who are really setting a good example for the squad. I don't think, because obviously there's a lot of very young players who are very talented, and I, I don't think that these senior players are that arm around the shoulder that they need to go on and get a victory when they're away, and you know the fans are shouting at them. I mean, Aubameyang's been awful, especially as captain. That's why he's been stripped. You see he had that 95th minute chance at the death and absolutely just pissed the ball off. What a miss. I mean, what? Um, I mean, I mean, people are downplaying that. Goal, he's staring the keeper in his eyes, and he misses it and puts it wide of the post. Like that is your captain, and I just don't think that any of those senior players are mature enough to really be in that senior role. You know, being an example for these younger guys. I really think it's it's a case of they just don't have any of those good older people to set a good example. I, I really think that Aubameyang especially has just been so poor. Um, I was glad to see Lacazette step in in the last game, but I, he was very quiet as well. Um, most of their chances come from, or, or most of the good looking parts come from Saka or Martinelli. Um, so, uh, once again, I just don't think that those older, more senior players are doing the job that they're supposed to for that club. They need Harry Kane. <laughs> wow. What a that would be. That's, that's a WWE storyline, that. That yeah. is beautiful. 
If football was like rigged, I'd love to see that. That's like Van Persie to United, but worse. Yeah. Yeah, like worse. Yeah. Damari Gray, though. Damari Gray, absolutely what class. What, he, hit what a great goal well. from him. he hit the crossbar as well for Richarlison's goal. A lot of stuff to look forward to this weekend. Um, I'm really excited. We play Norwich. Um, Captain Ronaldo in FPL. Everyone, Captain Ronaldo this weekend in FPL. If you want to get ahead in your league, I'm saying it right now. This is my putting my head out there moment for the weekend. Captain Ronaldo um, this weekend. A lot to look forward to. Also, big birthday shout out on Thursday to our very own Melon. Yes. Melon is, is uh, entering Thanks. adulthood in the US. Thanks years on Thursday. 60 people who view this. <laughs> yes, guys, we, we, need, we need to smash all the likes for Melon's birthday. I want many likes on this, a lot of comments, and um, please share it around. And we appreciate every single person that listens to this and watches it. But please interact with us so we can um, talk about it um, on the weekend recap. But for now, Zeki, Mill, and Nate, uh, we'll talk to you guys next weekend. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Viva Ronaldo!